Several weeks ago, Facebook changed its company name to Meta, a clear indicator as to how seriously they're taking their new venture, the Metaverse, a virtual world beyond anything we've seen so far in the realm of VR, and one that may be the harbinger of change for our world as a whole. Today, we're diving into the Metaverse. Well, not into the Metaverse, but into the topic of what it is exactly and the pros and cons of living in this virtual world are you ready it's time to plug in it's a new day yes it is wakey wakey time to get up good morning citizens up and up and praise and shine this is your wake up call people come on the coffee's on we're gonna get you guys circulating on christian radio i understand young people i know what's hip i know what's on i know what's lit i know what's fleet What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. You're tuned in to the Back Row Morning Show with Matt and Moe, proudly a part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager and chief radio nerd here at LTN. I'm a third-generation radio dude and a lifelong nerd. And I'm Mo, sidekick to the chief radio nerd, here to bring the facts and fire to your day. Now where's the coffee? The Back Row Morning Show is a Monday through Thursday show on LTN Radio that covers a wide range of topics from all across church and pop culture. And we usually take the topic in threes, three segments focusing on different aspects of our weekly discussion, followed by some discussion with our Discord buds. You're listening to a compilation of the main topic segments from this week's morning shows. This week, we're examining the metaverse. Now, before we jump into our discussion, Mo and I also have a side venture called Backrow Games, home of several Christian tabletop games, including our two most popular, Judge Not and Sunday School Answers. Sunday School Answers is the original Christian knockoff of Cards Against Humanity. All of the awkward fun without the need to bathe in bleach afterwards to get all the sin off. We've got some big updates for you. First of all, there are two new booster packs now available. The 2021 booster pack, adding more pandemic-era fun to the game, and the Holy Veggies pack, with cards inspired, but not officially licensed, by a classic show centered around a Christian tomato and cucumber. And we've got lots more coming out in the next few months. February, we've got the Sports Booster Pack coming out. Uh, and the Parenting Booster Pack. And then in March, we are releasing our largest expansion yet, the White Box, with 266 new cards to add to your original game. And it's big enough that it could just be your starting point, if you'd like. You can check it all out and get your copy of Sunday School Answers at BackRowGames.com. So we have been speculating on how the world will next evolve, uh, next evolve in technology a lot this past year. Like we, like every week, Mo rolls her eyes as I bring up a new story about uh, AI and brainless space blobs and self-reproducing frog robots and <laughs> all kinds of terrifying Terminator-esque technology that is just... I, I don't know if I roll my eyes as much as I die a little inside. And I mean, really, you're probably doing me a favor because if I continue to die a little inside every time, then by the time it all happens, I'll be dead, right? I won't have to live through it. We uh, talked about autonomous cars a couple weeks ago. 
we talked about transporters last week, uh, just briefly, uh, at the end of our Wednesday show. And all of that, robots, autonomous car systems, transporters, all of that might grow obsolete before they're even fully implemented into society, thanks to the internet, and more specifically, the metaverse. Our world is growing more and more ingrained into the internet. Uh, I think we took giant leaps forward out of necessity in the last two years because of COVID. Yeah. Where we realized, even if it's not an ideal situation, we can function virtually for a lot of the things that we do. Especially, okay. we saw a lot of jobs realize that things can be done Via, via telecommuting rather mm -hmm. than actually having to go in there. There's a lot of businesses that have not come back to office settings and are making no plans to because they realize they can function just as well virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of schools. Now, schools were rougher because, like, no schools were really set up to do at-home learning, and most of that just snapped into place within, like, a month's time. Yeah. It's like, nope, we have to do this now. Boom everybody's schooling from home. And so there was a, there was a period of, of awkwardness and not knowing what program to use and, and they're not really being a perfect program out there. And mm -hmm. then by the time the next school year rolled around, we had Google classroom stepping up for a lot of places. We had a couple other programs in place that had built themselves around this idea or, or built themselves up for more than they were before, uh, to be the perfect option for an online classroom. So we've seen those things happen. We've seen this happen pretty quickly uh, with not a whole lot of hiccups. Now, of course, there's always going to be exceptions, but right. for the most part, it was a fairly successful transition necessitated by the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so through that, we've also seen the growth of more things being able to be done online. Uh, one of the things that was really in an early stage that I think we'll see in the future was uh, in wrestling. In wrestling, for a brief period of time, there were no fans in attendance. Mm -hmm. But there were still two or three wrestling shows put on by the major companies every week. Right. And so WWE had an interesting solution. They came up with the Thunderdome, which was a whole big line of screens against one side of the arena, the, the, the one that would be the background for the people wrestling on the hard camera side. And these people got to watch the program as if they were seated in the arena. And mm -hmm. then we also got to see their reactions all from their webcam, all from home. Right. Which was an early on idea. It's not going to feel like you're actually there, but that is a place that we might be able to get to in the future. Virtually attending sporting events well, you're not actually there. You're still at home in the couch. We're going to talk about all these kind of things. Most of the things, like I said, can be do online. Metaverse, though, will allow this to be done instantaneously for pretty much everything. Now, the metaverse is touted to be a combination of virtual reality, which has been around for a while. And some of it's really good. Some of it's really weird. Mm -hmm. um, but we talked about early on in... Uh, I think it was it was a few weeks it was a few months before we folded into LTN. We talked about the VR church. You right. remember that discussion? 
Uh, briefly, but y- yeah, like we, Bit, bits we, of it. It was literally like a, a virtual reality. Uh, it's it almost set up like a game, you know, that you can enter in an online community game. But you go in there, and you can wander around. You build your own avatar, and they have you seat. They have you, you know, you have greeting time and talking time, and they have you sit down just like in church. And then they have a setting to where everybody's mic is muted and they have a sermon, but they also had like worship and they had the video, the worship video playing up there. And you're mm-hmm. seeing this in virtual reality and you're there as your avatar. The avatars were some of them were people, some of them were animals and some of them were, you know, just all kinds of crazy different, you know, virtual reality animals. But you came as your online persona and you worshiped. And we didn't think that this was a perfect uh, church setup, but there were some perks to it, mm-hmm. especially for people who are homebound, who cannot attend an actual church. This gives them an opportunity to kind of get out there in a way that they probably can't most times. Yeah. Uh, which I think is great. And of course, this church uh, grew exponentially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's how oh, that was another thing that <laughs> churches had to become <laughs> virtual meeting, uh, meeting places for a while. And that didn't work nearly as well as any of the other things. <laughs> like uh, most churches had to revert to just basically recording their service and scheduling it on Facebook as like a premiere. So it was, Presented as live, but it wasn't live. And if it was live, then it was pretty terrible quality, pretty mm-hmm. terrible audio, yeah. no camera switches, just kind of like one hard cam too far back. <laughs> like none of, none of it was a perfect solution. Unless your church already had like this giant production set up and, right. and all this, you just, you didn't make it out all that well during the pandemic. But... Still, we we learned a lot of things, and a lot of churches have moved towards that, making an online presence an important thing. Uh-huh. Uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, that, again, I think it depends on the situation and the people. But uh, this metaverse thing, like like we said in the intro, Facebook is going all in on this to the point where they've changed their company name. Facebook is now just a product of the company Meta, which, I mean, Facebook has been one of the biggest brand names mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. decades almost. And mm-hmm. wow. yep. for them to believe in something this much, that this is the future, you got to believe they're taking it super seriously and they're probably much further along on it than we could even think. And so I don't think that this discussion is about whether or not it's going to happen, I think it's just a matter of when. Now, Facebook in the next year is planning to both come out with a headset that is much more comfortable to be worn at a longer period of time and not strain your eyes as much. Uh, And they're also planning to subsidize headset costs to get as many people on Earth inside the metaverse. And so... This world that we're living in will become less like iRobot and more like Ready Player One, where we're all in our rooms wearing goggles. So I think me... <laughs> I feel a little less like concerned for my safety this yeah. way, sort of. Yeah. 
Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's look at this. I got an article here from Wired that's uh, about what is the metaverse exactly exactly exactly. Uh, so let me just go through some of this, and we'll get our basic footing, and then we'll talk about in uh, our future segments the pros, the cons, uh, and whatever other hesitations we might have. So to hear tech CEOs like Mike Zuckerberg, Mike Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, you got, for goodness you got it. sakes, <laughs> or Satya Nadella, I got that one right, uh, talk about the metaverse is the future of the internet, or it's a video game, or maybe it's a deeply uncomfortable, worse version of Zoom. It's hard to say. To a certain extent, talking about the metaverse, uh, what the metaverse means is a bit like having a discussion about what the internet means in the 1970s. The building blocks of a new form of communication were in the process of being built, but no one could really know what the reality would look like. So we're, we're in... While it's true that at the time the internet was coming, not every idea of what it would look like came true. Like, you know, people theorized about what the internet would be. Mm -hmm. And it didn't always happen. And the same thing happened with every advance in technology. You right. had commercials back in the, the 50s talking about the house of the future. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that had like floating, floating bubble cribs for your child that follows oh you goodness. around the house. and <laughs> keeps them safe. You know, a lot of weird things like that that didn't come true. But there were a lot of things that did come true. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, we're doing this same thing right now with the metaverse. There is a lot of marketing hype wrapped up in the idea of the metaverse. Facebook in particular is in an especially vulnerable place after Apple's move to limit ad tracking hit the company's bottom line. So this is a difficult topic happening right now is that we're, we're starting to move away as a society in the internet from like keyword based ads, personal personalized ads. Okay. Because, you know, we think that's invasive. You know how you think you're talking about something and then suddenly you get an ad for it on Facebook. <laughs> like, listen, Apple's already <laughs> Apple's already starting to move that away uh, because they had to. Uh, it's impossible to separate Facebook's vision of the future where everyone has a digital wardrobe to swipe through from the fact that Facebook really wants to make money selling virtual clothes. So what does the metaverse, metaverse really mean? To, to help you get a sense of how vague and complex the term the metaverse can be, here's an exercise to try. Mentally replace the phrase the metaverse in a sentence with cyberspace. Like, I, I spend most of my time on in cyberspace, which is another term for the internet. Mm -hmm. I spend most of my time in the metaverse. 90% of the time, the meaning won't really substantially change in our mind. Because the term doesn't really refer to any one specific type of technology, but rather a broad shift in how we interact with technology. It's entirely possible that the term itself will eventually become just as antiquated, even as uh, the specific technology it once described becomes commonplace. Broadly speaking, the technologies that make up the metaverse can include virtual reality, characterized by persistent virtual worlds that continue to exist even when you're not playing as well as augmented reality that combines aspects of the digital and physical worlds. So that's kind of like playing uh, Pokemon Go, mm -hmm. where you can see, you know, the real world through your camera lens, but it's putting the Pokemon characters also in that real world, yeah, but only through your phone. <clears throat> so imagine that technology in your goggles. 
So now you're not only looking through in the virtual world, but say it allows you to look through the goggles into your actual world, but see augmented reality wise things in the air that you can actually interact with <laughs> in your own home. <laughs> My brain hurts. We're just getting started too. It's going to be a rough one this week. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so this also, and we'll talk about this later on, but it also translates to a digital economy where users can create, buy, and sell goods. And we'll talk about what that looks like. Um, but it's difficult to parse what all this means because when you hear descriptions like those above and understandable, or understandable responses, well, doesn't all this kind of exist already? Uh, world of Warcraft, for example, is a persistent virtual world where players can buy and sell goods. Fortnite has virtual experiences like concerts and an exhibit where Rick Sanchez can learn about MLK Jr. <laughs> you can strap on an Oculus headset and be in your own personal virtual home. Is that really what the metaverse means? Just uh, new kinds of video games? Somewhat and somewhat not. Saying that Fortnite is the metaverse could be a bit like saying Google is the internet. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's it's barely it's scratching the surface. Yeah. Like even if you could theoretically spend large chunks of time in Fortnite, socializing, buying things, learning, playing games, that doesn't necessarily mean that it encompasses the entire scope of what the metaverse is. And on the other hand, just as it would be accurate to say that Google builds parts of the internet from physical data centers to security layers, its similarity... Uh, I'm sorry, it's similarly accurate to say that Fortnite creator Epic Games is building parts of the metaverse. It isn't the only company doing so either. Some, of course, will be done by tech giants like Microsoft and Facebook, the latter of which recently rebranded to Meta, which we talked about, to reflect this work. <clears throat> um, many other assorted companies, uh, NVIDIA, Unity, Roblox, uh, Snap, all are working on building infrastructure that will become the metaverse or part of the metaverse. It's at this point that most discussions of what the metaverse metaverse entails start to stall. Like we have a vague sense of what things currently exist that we could kind of call the metaverse. And we know which companies are investing in the idea, but we still don't really know what it is. Meta thinks that it will include fake houses that you can invite all your friends to hang out in. Microsoft seems to think that it will involve virtual meeting rooms to train new hires or chat with your remote co-workers. The pitches for these visions of the future range from optimistic to outright fan fiction. And at one point, Meta's presentation on the metaverse, the company showed a scenario in which a young woman is sitting on her couch scrolling through Instagram when she sees a video a friend posted of a concert that's happening halfway across the world. The video then cuts to the concert where the woman appears in an Avengers-style hologram. She is able to make eye contact with her friend who is physically there. They are both able to hear the concert, and they can see floating text hovering above the stage. And this seems cool, but it's not really advertising a real product or even a possible future one. In fact, this brings the biggest problem with the metaverse is that the idea comes to uh, <laughs> almost teleportation. Yeah. And they make kind of make you feel like it's going to be a teleportation experience, and it's really not. You're going to be able to feel like you are places to a degree. Now, these can feel real. Have you ever played a virtual reality video game? Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, have you played a scary one? 
I mean, or have you seen videos of people playing scary ones, or like riding roller coasters in these things? I I have seen people riding roller coasters, but I have played where I was walking on a like a tightrope between two buildings oh, that were yeah. That's so scary for me. That was scary. Yeah. That was terrifying. Someone who was afraid of heights. Right. That was. And even though, even though in that experience you knew one hundred percent. That this was a fake thing. Yeah. That your fir- your feet were firmly planted on an actual ground. That you weren't going to be falling off to your death. Mm-hmm. You still couldn't quite fully convince yourself that you uh, weren't tightrope walking. No, <laughs> right? I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, now listen, I don't think that it helped at all with my fear and the like. I don't know the feeling of it all. That I was on a boat while we were doing this. <laughs> so this is something on the cruise at the uh-huh. yeah. yeah, when Chris and I went to Alaska, just mm. he and I. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had, I mean, their entire video game room, like almost every game was some sort of virtual reality. Yeah, I think I remember seeing like an advertisement for that. Uh-huh. And it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. But the the motion <laughs> of the boat on top of feeling and thinking that I am tightrope walking was awful. <laughs> it was, it was terrible. So like you, you can be, you know, fail army, I think is, is the first thing I think of when I think about the clips of people playing scary games. Yeah. You see how they react in real life. They're actually punching and cowering and running away and Mm -hmm. in the process, smacking their TVs or running into walls. Right. All kinds of things because it still kind of feels real. Yeah. And you still get that feeling of, oh, my gosh, if the zombie gets any closer, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah. (laughs) Because being that immersed in something is convincing enough to feel like reality at least a little bit yeah and so imagine turning that into an office scenario where you are having a staff meeting you are sitting at a virtual table all around the table are other co-workers you are interacting just like you normally would in real life how long would you have to do meetings like that before it feels enough like reality to kind of forget that it's virtual reality. That's a hypothetical question. You don't have to answer, (laughs) but you get what I'm going, right? Like it takes you, you, you immediately feel that way when you're playing a game like that where fear is involved. So if we take out the element of fear and just put the mundane into it, it can't be much longer before this feels like this is how we do things. This is normal. This is how I interact with people. This is no different from a real life staff meeting. You know what I mean? I 100% are you making, know what are you, are you making mean. sad realizations? That, yes, exactly. I, mm-hmm. I almost wonder if it being mundane tasks would make it seem real faster even more so yeah yeah maybe so i don't know (laughs) so when the internet 
first arrived that started with a series of technological innovations like the ability to let computers talk to each other over great distances, the ability to hyperlink from one web page to another. These technical features were the building blocks that were used to make the abstract structures we know as the internet, website, apps, social networks, everything else that relies on those core elements. And that's to say nothing of the convergence of the interface uh, innovations that aren't strictly part of the internet, but are still necessary to make it work, like displays, keyboards, mice, touchscreens. With the metaverse, there are some new building blocks in place, like the ability to host hundreds of people in a single instance of a server. Uh, I ideally, future versions of a metaverse will be able to handle thousands or even millions of people at once. Or motion tracking tools that can distinguish where a person is looking or where their hands are. These new technologies can be very exciting and feel very futuristic, but there are limitations. We're, we're not going to be in holodecks, you know. Mm-hmm. We're, it's not going to be Star Trek where we walk into a room and the entire world forms around us without the need of some sort of goggles or some sort of interface. Like, that interface will have to exist. That might be bulky headsets, it might be dorky glasses... Uh, it might be things we wear on our wrist. Elon Musk thinks it's going to involve putting a chip in our brains, but we might not even have to go there. <laughs> I like how you say we might not even have to go there. We'll talk about what I mean. I'm not going there at all. Good grief. There's a lot of things that it's got to overcome in order to be the reality, but for now... There looks like there's no stopping this becoming the next evolution of technology and how we interact with it. Just like smartphones was the the most recent one, I think. The most recent big leap in technology. Um, Laptop computers, PC computers. (sighs) You know, all the way back. And so smart houses, smart, smart houses. That's the next thing. <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I, I really do feel like for, in a lot of ways, we're already there. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are set up with any sort of device mm-hmm. that can speak to your stuff. Right. But still at the same time, I think about the discussion I had with my dad. My dad was old enough to see like TV become a a major thing and be in everybody's home. Right. Like when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I showed him my Nintendo DS when I first got it in high school. And he's seeing like 3D computer animation video games in a thing the size of a BLT. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, if you'd have told me that something like this could have even existed ever when I was a kid. I would have spat in your face. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the 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 idea of what we think is possible is bound by the fact that we only have what we already know is possible mm. to really expound upon. We have that and we have ideas of like what Star Trek and stuff has come up with and you know futuristic movies and things, but what we don't have is anything else (laughs) that will one day be created that has nothing to do with any of those sci-fi things. Mm -hmm. See, I think that I sit on the opposite side, I guess, of where a lot of people sit in that I acknowledge how far technology has come, you know, and the way that you talk about 
having that conversation with your dad, I can remember having similar conversations with my grandparents, yeah. you know? Um, so I can, I acknowledge how far we've come technologically speaking in a very short amount of time, so to speak. <laughs> and knowing and realizing that it terrifies me <laughs> where we can go and yeah. where we will go. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> well, you're gone. <laughs> That's what the metaverse is in a nutshell, based on what we can understand at this moment. But we do have a lot more to cover this week. We'll be back with more. Stick around. Hey, everyone. I'm Kip Wilkinson, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I'm reviewing the movie Spider-Man No Way Home. In 2016, Tom Holland came swinging into the Marvel Cinematic Universe during the epic events of Captain America Civil War. Marvel fans had been longing and hoping for the friendly neighborhood web-slinger to arrive in the MCU, and when that unmistakable red and blue suit finally appeared, there were cries of joy throughout the land. Since then, Holland's Spider-Man has continued to appear in the major Marvel events such as Infinity War and Endgame. In No Way Home, Peter Parker is reeling from the shock of having his secret identity revealed. Peter's world is turned upside down as people begin attacking those closest to him. In a desperate attempt to find peace for himself and his friends, Peter seeks help from Doctor Strange. As Strange works to remove Spider-Man's true identity from the minds of the world, Peter keeps interrupting the spell. And with each interruption, things get complicated. Now, villains from across the multiverse are appearing. Each seems to know the true identity of Spider-Man, and they all want revenge. If you're a comic book fan, then this is a movie that you do not want to miss. Spider-Man No Way Home is a love letter to comic book nerds that needs to be read. Well, seen. I guess it's a visual love letter? Eh, you get the idea. There were several moments during this movie that I cheered. And I can count on one hand how many movies I've cheered for in a theater. Spider-Man has been my favorite comic hero since I was a kid. And I'll never forget seeing Tobey Maguire don the mask and swing through New York City. For me, that was the beginning of a, a deep love not just for Spider-Man, but for the superhero genre in general. And I felt that same excitement and joy watching this movie. What I enjoyed the most was that this was a story about redemption. I left the theater being reminded that no one is beyond saving, and that everyone deserves to be given a second chance. I'm Kip Wilkinson, and remember, with great power comes great responsibility. And hey, for some Bible nerdiness, please check out my channel on YouTube by simply searching Kip Wilkinson. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And every week, these four main segments get spread out across four daily morning shows on LTN Radio. And they... 
They include a lot more content, including weird news, random facts, games, challenges, rants, junk food, and more. And you can be a part of all of that by following us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash LTN on air. So you'll be notified when we go live. You can even be a part of the show. And make sure you catch our full morning shows every Monday through Thursday on LTNOnAir.com at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10. You know, you pick on me about how I say food and noon and June. What do I say wrong? Catch. Catch? Catch. What's, mm-hmm. How's it supposed to be pronounced? Catch. Catch. But it's an A. Catch. Mm-hmm. If it was catch, it'd be spelled like ketchup with an E. <laughs> but instead, it's spelled like catsup with an A. <laughs> Last time we shared what the metaverse was, at least to the best of our ability and what little we know so far. But now we are going to be diving into why the metaverse could be a pretty amazing thing. Yes, we're going to be going over all the pros, at least... Uh, based on what we know now, uh, that could become a part of the metaverse and make it a pretty big deal for quite a lot of people. And the first one is probably the most obvious, is that you can live out kind of like fantasy scenarios with incredible realism while being safe at home. So That's not always a pro. No, it's not always a pro, but it can be in many instances. Say you want to... See the Grand Canyon, but you live halfway across the world and know you're never going to make it there. You can go and feel with pretty decent realism that you're experiencing there. But take it a step further. You can fly over the Grand Canyon. I can fly? Like a bird. That's a, you can fly. I can fly? What's that from? (laughs) I don't know. That's from a Disney movie. (laughs) But like, wouldn't that be neat? Like the ability to see what is essentially the real world rendered in such great um, graphics that there is no distinction really between reality and what you're seeing in this virtual world, that you can experience it with most of your senses and then even do something superhuman like fly over it, in it, dive deep into it experience the fullness, the vastness of the Grand Canyon or any other part of this world, any other wonder of the world, any other time and space. (laughs) You could travel through time. You could put yourself in a rendered version of the birth of Jesus, a rendered version of the fall of the Roman Empire, Pompeii. You can experience all these historical events as if you were really there with so much realism, or at least enough, like we discussed last time, that it feels real. Like, imagine the learning opportunity that could be. Again, like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, forget Googling things. Forget going to the library. You could be immersed in that historical event event yourself. You could hear Martin Luther King give that speech. You could be there when, you know, the Berlin Wall was, was... 
torn down. Like all these amazing things in history you could be a part of or at least a spectator in. Mm-hmm. Would that be incredibly crazy? It would be very interesting. <laughs> now, also in the metaverse, you can express yourself however you wish. Again, like you said, not always a pro. Mm-hmm. None of these will always be pros, but use in the best lights. <laughs> you can express yourself however you wish. Your avatar can be adjusted to what you want to express yourself as. Uh, and longer term, these avatars, which, you know, when, when Facebook or Meta, rather, put out their their video about what Meta is, they gave everybody like a cartoonish look uh, as their avatar. And I'm not sure if that is going to be what our avatars actually look like or if that's just kind of like a soft, happy, cheery Disney way of presenting this to not freak everybody out. Yeah. But they are already working on technology to make you appear very realistic. Hairs on your head, stubble on your chin. Mo. Uh, <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but no, every everything that you are, you can be in your avatar, or you can change how you look. If you want to be taller, you want to be uh, a lion. <laughs> you can do all that too. <sighs> uh, one of the things we talked about is the ability for the wheelchair bound or the otherwise impaired that cannot function in normal society or at least not function fully in the way that they want to. Right. Uh, you know, like I said, you can say you're wheelchair bound in the metaverse. You can walk in the metaverse. You can fly. That would be a a life. (laughs) That would be a life changing thing for a lot of people. Uh, just the ability to feel what it feels like, uh, to, walk around when that's something they've never been able to do. And so this is where, like, what we talked about last week, we talked about teleportation and whether or not that was a good idea. That was the, the ask us anything question last week. Mm-hmm. And you love the idea of teleportation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think it's a terrible idea. But either way, we're really going to skip over that. We're not going to need to go to physical locations in the blink of an eye pretty much ever anymore or at least not often enough to justify this technology existing and all the ethical quandaries that are surrounding it we're going to skip that altogether because you can move just as fast as you can click a link in your browser today people will move virtually you want to attend this concert you pay the 20 dollars online fee or whatever for your ticket click that link boom you're there now, the way I think about this, we talked about this in the last segment, but the way I think about like the, the sports and the concerts and the virtual reality thing is that they're going to be like, we have this camera stand in front of us here. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we also know that Google, like for their Google earth stuff, they have cameras that are kind of like 360 cameras, mm-hmm. you know? So imagine a 360 camera or at least a camera that is wide enough that you see the whole view of say a basketball court. Mm-hmm. Put right there on the 50-yard line of the basketball court. Right there in center court. Center half court. court. Half court line. <laughs> I'm not a sports guy. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> to where that camera is filming that whole whole thing on a, on a steady recording thing. You know, constantly going. Thousands, millions of people can put on their headsets 
and they are suddenly there, sitting half court as the game is actually happening. They're able to turn their heads and see every part of the game with no problem, feel like they're really there, hear the crowd noise behind them and in front of them, immerse themselves as if they're having the best seat in the house on game night with their favorite team playing for a fraction of the cost of buying a ticket, traveling, not having to deal with people, uh, sweating down your neck in a crowd, We're telling you not to sit catching down. COVID, not telling you to sit down. <laughs> None of that. Doesn't that sound pretty cool? Not as good as maybe being there if you could, but not everybody can, and definitely not everybody can for every single game. Yeah. You could do this for every single game. I imagine a subscription service just for this, where you can be virtually present to every game that your team plays for 10 bucks a month. Because what's it's cost, what it's costing them is just upkeep of a camera and the server to handle it all. Much cheaper than the upkeep of an entire facility. I mean, come on, it sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I... <laughs> Don't force yourself to hate something if you kind of like it, Mo. I'm not forcing myself to hate something. I'm not. I promise I'm not. Um, here, would you like to me to share my, like counter argument to the things that you've already said absolutely sure okay or do i need to save that for the con day no that's okay okay you can you can share your counter arguments okay so you talked about being able to go to the grand canyon mm -hmm. um being able to live through historical moments you know kind of live quote unquote live through right historical they would be moments. programmed things right but to see them so and you said this when we were talking about me playing that virtual reality game, okay? Because a part of me still knew that it wasn't real. Right. And a big part of me thinks that that is how it's going to be, even though we immerse ourselves in these places or these events, it's still going to have this feeling of it's not real. Sure. You know I, mean, I mean, it'll it'll never, especially with like sports, it'll never encompass the the real feeling of being at a game, getting you know a hot dog, getting a beer, whatever, all that stuff, immersing yourself in the reality of it. Right. But think about some of the best sports games that you've watched on a big screen. You do lose yourself in the game. You step outside of where you're at, where all you know is what you're seeing on that screen. And what you're enjoying watching. Same thing with movies. Same thing with everything else. Most things that we are passionate about, we will immerse ourselves in anyway, just looking at a 2D screen. So imagine with that added benefit of being able to turn your head and actually feel like this is your head turning in real life at this real place, envisioning the ball going to one side of the court to the other, where you're your cameraman. Because it's basically pantomiming you being there. No, I agree that the entire concept of it would be amazing. Yeah. It would be very, very beneficial for 
the population who, like you said, are homebound, who cannot leave, you know, or for whatever reason, will never get to, and I, I really say the word never very, very, very loosely, but we'll never get to leave and experience these things. And here's the reason that I say never loosely, because I grew up in small town, North Carolina, and I was convinced at 18 years old that I was never going to leave mm. small town, North Carolina. Yeah, I would have never thought that I would have traveled across the world and seen the things that I've seen. But I also know that, and it was when you said Pompeii specifically, because I've been to Pompeii right. and I've seen the aftermath of, of that event. To watch the movie Pompeii, it means a whole lot more to me now. To watch Gladiator after seeing the Colosseum mm -hmm. means a whole lot more to me now because I've physically seen it right. and I've touched these places, you know, and there's something to that, that virtual reality will never compare to. Yeah, and you're it, absolutely right. Yeah. I think what scares me more than anything is that we're going to have an entire generation of people who are simply going to be okay with that, not realizing that they're missing out on so much more that they could experience it. Yeah. Really. And firsthand, you know, it's a, like, to me, I would compare it to like reading an actual book, holding the book and turning the pages instead of a Kindle. Right. Which you know, it's still a much better experience. Right. Holding an actual book. Yeah. And I, I know that's 100% true, but I can even use the Kindle analogy here. Okay. Physical books on Amazon cost anywhere between 10 and 20 bucks usually. Mm -hmm. The Kindle book, often $3 or less, free if you have it as a part of your uh, Amazon Prime subscription, Kindle yeah. Unlimited for most of the books. And therefore, people who have a Kindle are more likely to be able to experience so many more books Maybe not in the full glory of that experience than they would have if they had to buy the physical books. But if they came across a book on the Kindle that they loved so much that they wanted the physical copy of it, they'd still have the ability to go get that physical copy. Sure. Now, I do agree that this will probably set up a lot of people for failure and that they will just settle for what they have and never go have those experiences. Mm -hmm. But I think it's equally likely for many people that they will experience a virtual version of a place and realize, look, this is already so amazing. I need to go. Virtual reality-wise, I need to go there in person. Okay. Because in person, you don't have unlimited funds. The likelihood that you're going to be able to travel all around the world to all these different places that you'd like to go. It's pretty slim. Mm -hmm. Most people can't afford that in their lifetime. Most people don't only afford to have a few really big travel vacations in their whole life. And mm -hmm. so this might even be almost a sampling yeah. of figuring out what would be best, <laughs> what would be the best place to go to spend this money that we're going to save up for on. Yeah. Like there is that pro and that con balance. Just like you said at the outset, there's going to be cons. There's going to be pros. There are going to be people that just sit there and experience the VR version and never go anywhere Yeah. and think that that's good enough. And that is sad to yeah. think about. You're absolutely right about that. 
I will also add, I think part of the reason why I'm having such a difficult time is because I am legitimately sitting on the fence because I truly am because with every argument, every con that I give, I can also like argue to that con against that con, you know, and again, right back to the Kindle, when you consider how much space physical space books Mm -hmm. take up in comparison to a Kindle. I mean, the comparison is right. You can have 10,000 books in the space of half a, an inch. And so when you consider (laughs) that in terms of pollution, Oh yeah. Environmental aspects. Uh huh. And, and even this was one thing that I saw as a really big positive as far as virtual reality is concerned, air pollution, mm-hmm. you know, the more that people are telecommuting, working from home, the more that people are virtually schooling. I mean, everything we're cutting down on driving. We're yeah. cutting down on putting those pollutants in the air. And then if we do these travel experiences, you know, virtually, and like you said, kind of choose which travel experience we are going to actually physically go on by dwindling them down through virtual reality. That's cut down on a ton of pollution as well, you know? So I... Also, there will likely be less other travelers at the same time as you. True. Because enough people will have enough time to spend going to all these other places virtually that you won't have as much competition for travel resources when you're when you're in crowds and places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the environmental aspect is one that I have on the list here toward the bottom. But yeah, that's absolutely one of them. Uh, it's more... Uh, the more stuff that's done virtually, the less travel, the less pollution, the less cars that yeah. are being produced, which also creates a lot of pollution. Uh-huh. Uh, and even electric cars currently still produce a lot of pollution because electricity is still created by carbon emissions <laughs> in most cases, in most places of the world. Okay, but so, then does that mean less jobs for people? And then well, does it, like, what about our road workers? And you know what I mean? What's mm-hmm. going to happen? See, this is why I'm telling you, Matt. This is why I'm having such a difficult time (laughs) with this Mm -hmm. because for every pro I have a con and for every con I have a pro and it's just this stupid unending cycle. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Let's move on to some more of these pros because we will talk about a lot of the cons in the next segment. Uh, There will be increased productivity. You can work however, wherever, with whomever you want or need if you work better in an a a uh say office set up in the middle of the rainforest (laughs) with glass walls where you can just look at all the beauty around you heck no (laughs) i'm never gonna get anything done just watch the world outside my office window all day long okay well here here's an here's a here's a a scenario that would work best for me. Okay. We live in New Mexico. Yes. New Mexico barely gets any precipitation. Yes. I love a rainy day. Me too. I love too. it when it's constantly raining. Just a slow, 
poor, not the thunder. All that. I mean, I like that too, but just a full day of just steady showers. Mm-hmm. The noise that that makes is so comforting that even playing that noise through my Alexa gives me that same comfort feeling. Okay. So imagine I can create an office where I have a window right here. And out that window, it is always overcast and pouring with that beautiful sound just wrapping itself around me while I'm trying to work. I'll be so productive. All that I envision is sitting like in my bathroom in front of my shower as the shower is just pouring. (laughs) I can do it too. (laughs) (laughs) Tape little peripheral pictures of of a window. Uh (laughs) Yep. <laughs> that's that's all that I we see. We make the best with what we got. That's right. <laughs> I've already got my virtual reality. <laughs> oh man. So let's see what else. Okay. Now tech. Now we were we were talking about this. We talked about the brain chip, right? Tech will allow us to to do things simply by thinking about them, but not likely through a brain chip like. Elon Musk is currently working on with Neuralink because they're already starting to work on meta is already starting to work on things that actually interpret signals from your brain through your nervous system based on outer tech. You wear a wrist thing. Now what this means is uh, in the little description that they had is you can start writing messages on your leg. Like, write a word on your leg, and it'll appear on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's just based on what you're thinking as you're writing it. And the more you do it, the more it actually learns how to interpret your brain signals to where you can just think, write this word, Mm-mm. and it'll do it. <laughs> Does that scare you? Um, it terrifies me, 100%. <laughs> because, listen, I have two teenage boys, The only thing, the only thing that keeps me from, like, just what the heck are you thinking, (laughs) smacking them upside their head, is my impulse control. Mm. And so, for something to be acting for me, dependent upon my impulse, there's a lot of people going to get hit. And I didn't mean for them to get hit. Prior to now, I've done a really good job controlling myself from being vi- physically violent with anyone. But if you're but... just, but if you're only violent in the virtual world, you're not actually hitting them, right? <laughs> it's like a video game. It's like you're playing Smash Brothers. Whoop! You're just hitting an avatar. There's no pain involved. Matt. (laughs) I think the lines are going to be very, very, very thin for a lot of people. And it's going to mean a lot. I mean, I feel like we already see the effects of that. Yeah. We already see the effects of... um, a disconnection between your online world and your in-person mm, Sometimes, world. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, people 
think that they can say and do whatever they want to whoever they want in real life because that's what they've done for so long Mm -hmm. online, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, we'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, So let's see. One last pro here. Okay. And that will be the virtual economy. Now, again, this could also be a con, uh, but... I mean, it, I, that's where we've been the whole time. But that's where our, you know, even our actual economy <laughs> can be a pro and a con, <laughs> given on how it's lie. used. So the virtual economy may fill in, uh, fill in the new gaps of the real one, where you can buy clothes and items for your digital life, but you can also create and sell them too. You could also craft and create new experiences and charge people to try them in the metaverse. Like, for instance, creating a historical reenactment of something that happened, and you can go and experience that. Very similar to how it actually works on the holodeck for Star Trek, is that they have basically their hologram programs are shows that they buy. They're you know, their games that they purchase and they upload that program. Okay. You know, and that's how they play it. Like this is essentially that. And it'll also be done, most likely via cryptocurrency so it can because because the way bitcoin is already set up is that it can basically track every transaction back to who owns uh what was purchased via that transaction therefore there are safeguards in place that can keep you from just like purchasing some sort of digital good and then copying it and giving it to somebody else which is a protection that the internet has not really had right you know pirate bay Napster, mm-hmm. LimeWire, uTorrent, mm-hmm. you know, all that um, can kind of be quelled, hypothetically, by having a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency-based economy, which is also where the real-world economy is slowly trotting into, which is scary because i still don't understand it i've watched so many videos explaining how it works and i still couldn't tell you one step (laughs) beyond what it supposedly does (laughs) but am i the only one who thinks that because you can't physically touch it like there's a heightened sense of insecurity with your money i mean i you're not but the way they explain it, apparently it is much more secure than regular money. Yeah, I just they don't want get you it. to think that. I just don't get it myself. And if that might be, I don't know if there's a, a an old age brain barrier here that'll never get over. <laughs> but this is the first thing. This is the first technology thing that has come to be popular that I cannot get my head around. Yeah. That I recall. Like everything else, I'm like, yeah, I'm keeping up keeping up with Gen Z. I'm keeping up with Generation Alpha. Bitcoin, huh? <clears throat> My mining for Bitcoin? How does one what? Yeah, I don't know. No idea. I I heard words come out of your mouth. I have no idea what they mean put together in that sentence. Well, I have to work. <laughs> I am not joking. So that's that is a a Question? Because like you said, you you talked about like road construction and all that, those jobs. Those jobs will still exist for real world positions because real buildings and real roads and all that will need to be in place. Like, Yeah. 
But you I will just, have real restaurants. You will have real real retail stores still. Yeah, I just think that it's going to be a lot smaller Probably. of a need. Yeah. But then you think of like places that are no longer going to have actual offices, things that can be done all online. Well, then, yeah, every janitor, every gardener, every window washer, every every non-technological job that mm -hmm. would have been in that massive office building will not exist. So there will be less jobs because there will be less need for them the more our world goes into a metaverse scenario. But at the same time, there will be more technology jobs because so much that will be happening in the metaverse will also be about expanding the metaverse. So I'm up the creek. <laughs> I don't think so. There, there'll be levels. <laughs> learn, a, learn a design program. Make some shirts. Online shirts for people to wear on their avatar. I hated that. <laughs> I really did. Anyway, uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, these are all the pros that, at least uh, a list of the pros that the metaverse will bring with it. But there are quite a few cons, too. We've talked about a little bit today. We're going to talk about more next time. We'll be back with more. Stick around. Overstretched. It is so common in the world we live in to find ourselves running in a hundred different places at warp speed. I'm often zooming around feeling like the Looney Tunes Roadrunner, moving as fast as possible from one task to the next, leaving behind a cloud of dust as the only proof of my existence. Now, don't get me wrong, not all of this is my doing, and I'm sure not all of your speed racer hijinks are your fault either. I'm a mom. I have three very active, non-driving children. I'm a taxi, a chef, a personal shopper, a house cleaner, an organizer, and those are just my various hats worn at home. Over time and through all the tasks, it's very likely we'll no longer feel like the roadrunner, but instead begin to feel like a well-loved, well-used rubber band pulled and stretched, worn out and exhausted, ready to snap under any further pressure. I cannot tell you how many times close friends and some family have compared me to Martha. And if you're not aware, it's not a compliment. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus finds himself visiting with two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha was a doer, preparing the meal, hosting, making sure things were tidy and presentable. Mary was visiting with Jesus, talking. Frustrated with her sister, Martha addressed Jesus about Mary's laziness, and Jesus told her in a roundabout way that, in fact, Martha was the one in the wrong. I don't know about you, but this is a hard concept for me. Being a diligent worker, making the best use of my time, staying on task, taking care of business. Are those not honorable qualities to have? Not if you're missing out on relationships and making disciples. Matthew 28, 19, the verse where Jesus instructs us to go and make disciples of all the nations is commonly known as the Great Commission. These three words and this one verse speak volumes of where we as Christians should be investing our time and energy. A command from our Savior himself, known to the world as the biggest payoff. Well, okay, Lord, I hear you. Friends, let's make this commitment to each other today to free ourselves from the commitments from the obligations and the stuff. Open up more free space in your schedule for family dinners, 
coffee dates, deep and personal conversations with our people, not forgetting the importance of connection and relationships. Furthermore, how can we expect to make genuine relationships with the people God has placed in our lives if we've exhausted ourselves and could pop at any time? Overstretched, overexhausted, overworked, overbooked, Let's be over it and step into the actual plan God has for our lives. This week in nerd history, that's a surprise tool that'll help us later. <laughs> nerd history. Specifically, that tool was a shovel because January 26th, 1954 was the day ground was broken in Anaheim, California for Disneyland, the first theme park created by Disney. Walt Disney came up with the concept of Disneyland after visiting various amusement parks with his daughters in the 1930s and 40s. He initially envisioned building a tourist attraction adjacent to his studios in Burbank to entertain fans who wished to visit. However, he soon realized that the proposed site was far too small. After hiring the Stanford Research Institute to perform a feasibility study determining an appropriate site for his project, Disney bought a 160-acre site near Anaheim in 1953. The park was designed by a creative team handpicked by Walt from internal and outside talent. They founded WED Enterprises, the precursor to today's Walt Disney's Imagineering. The park has undergone several expansions over the years, adding New Orleans Square in 1966, Bear Country in 1972, Mickey's Toontown in 1993, and most recently, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in 2019. Admission prices have changed drastically over the years as well. In 1955, adults could get into the park for only a dollar, and children's admission was only 50 cents. Today, a ticket just to get into the park, which does not include rides or anything other than getting to walk through the gate, can cost as much as 164 bucks. Since opening, the park has only gone dark seven times, twice because of winter storms in 87 and 92, three times for national tragedies, JFK's assassination in 63, a massive anti-Vietnam riot in 1970, and after 9-11, once for an inspection after the Northridge earthquake in 1994, and most recently, they closed for over a year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. There are thousands more facts I could share about Disneyland, but suffice it to say, it plays a big role in our American pop culture. Gosh. I'm Radio Matt. See you next time for more Nerd History. Welcome back to the Backroom Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. There's a lot going on in our Discord, backrowdiscord.com, where you get to chat after the show, share your own show ideas, keep up to date with our Twitch and YouTube, be a part of our radio shows, and also see the behind-the-scenes workings of Backrow Games, including Sunday School Answers. Again, go to backrowdiscord.com to join. This week, we're talking about the metaverse. So far, we've explained what the metaverse is planning to become, and... Mostly the pros <laughs> of the world at large joining the system. But now it's time to take a look at the inevitable cons. Okay. So the first one is a big one. The first one is data. 
a whole new level of trust must be given to not just a company, but a multitude of companies. Mm -hmm. Now, this would also include up to scanning your brain activity. Yeah, no. <laughs> Mm. Nope. Like this is this is stuff you wouldn't trust with your own family members. Yeah, I feel like you know <laughs> we've been warned. I think it was it was three. I hope we've talked about this. We haven't talked about this. Never mind. Um, I think having a conversation before we somebody said something about our generation has grown up in the technology technological. Is that the word yeah. world mm -hmm. anyway? Mm -hmm. Um, and since the beginning we've been told you don't put your personal information out there. Right. Well, yeah. Um, this is way more than just my personal information. <laughs> and what makes this worse is that currently the charge for the metaverse is being done through the company formerly known as Facebook, which is notoriously on Capitol Hill for data privacy issues. Bom, bom, bom. So, yeah, that is a big hurdle we're going to have to get over. Yeah. The, the, the way that we have handled, like use of product agreements in the past where we just kind of scroll to the bottom, click yes, I accept and move on might need to be a thing of the past because it might become a time where you need to read every bit of that contract you're agreeing <sighs> to before you feel comfortable joining the metaverse. Uh, it's, it's, that's probably the biggest hurdle that they're going to have to overcome how to make this both immersive and personalized enough that it's worth the experience, but safe enough to where we know that our privacy is protected. It's going to take a lot of effort and I'm not sure it'll ever be perfect because it's not perfect now. And we've had the internet for forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and this also kind of makes me Pardon. think about um, Chris and I were having a conversation last week. For a while, I was a notary through the state of New Mexico, and my license just recently expired. And he was telling me that he had just read where notaries no longer have to notarize things in person, it can all be done online. And so I kind of was like, well, that's kind of cool. But that's also very odd because the whole purpose is that I need to be able to see you physically signing right. your document in order to then notarize, put my seal on the document yeah. and sign my name saying that I witnessed it. So there's a whole other level of security there as far as, you know, what? It, yeah. It, it doesn't seem nearly as secure. Yeah. Does it? Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. That's interesting. Mm hmm. I hadn't heard that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> right, next up on our list, creating virtual experiences as real live ones. So, again, this this was kind of a, a pro. Like you can create your own world. Yeah. But just in the way that we get in the habit of doing on the internet now, you can also create your own 
personal echo chamber with little to no outside influences if you don't want them. Mm -hmm. This might be a utopia online for you, but you'd be ignoring real world flaws and struggles. For instance, you could set up a virtual life where you can check a box and never have to interact with anyone who is the uh, opposing political party as you. Right. Can you imagine how much that would change and influence how you actually treat oh, 100%. people in the real world Yeah, that are the opposing party? We're yeah. already at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. Imagine where you can just poop, erase them from yeah. every interaction. Mm -hmm. Well, and you wouldn't have these problem solving skills either. Right. You know, when the time came that you did encounter someone physically, you wouldn't know naturally. Right. There are a lot of people that just heard what I said and say, that sounds amazing. Right. But no, because that will not train you how to actually interact with people that disagree yeah, with you. Exactly. In a decent manner. Uh-huh. You're going to treat them like lesser thans, enemies, people that you shouldn't even give the time of day to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can create a world where they don't even exist, mm -hmm. then in the real world, when they do show face and exist, it's going to be very difficult for you to um, not wish death upon them. <laughs> right. How will you ever be challenged as a person? Oh, yeah. If you can just get away with any or do away with anyone that you don't agree with, block them from your experience or from even existence within your world, how are you going to grow mm -hmm. socially? Well, not and even... Yeah. Like your own opinions Emotionally and thoughts. You're supposed and, to grow yeah. by having yourself challenged. Exactly. <laughs> if you're not challenged, you don't grow. Fact. <sighs> all right. Here's a scary one. <laughs> what if? It's all scary. <laughs> what are you talking about? Here's one of the scariest ones. What if your account is hacked? And we've already seen how someone's Facebook account will get hacked and they'll start sending private messages to people in the friends list of that person saying, Hey, I need money, blah, 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 blah. Or at the very least putting an ad about cheap Ray-Ban sunglasses on their page and hoping someone clicks on a link. Mm -hmm. That's really a phishing scam. But imagine you have an avatar and you're out there interacting, speaking, spending virtual money, and it's somebody else behind the avatar instead of you. I mean... That's a terrifying aspect. It is. Yeah. And I think it would be incredibly easy considering how easy... I think I said this last week, maybe the week before, catfishing. Yeah. You know, I essentially... That's just catfishing. Eventually, all of this will be catfishing because you can create your avatar however you want it to be. You can change it <laughs> a little bit or a lot of it. You can be a woman if you are a man. That also really with worries no problem. me. And I'm, there's going to be a lot of trolling mm -hmm. <laughs> involved with these things. Mm -hmm. now, I, do you remember me talking about how I've noticed that when my boys play Fortnite, they choose the female characters yes, and yeah. it's because they're more slender and right. so they fit behind or in things. They hide better, yeah. Yes. I can see that thought process carrying over into virtual reality 
becoming their own virtual reality identity. And then not necessarily with my boys, but just as people in general, that thought process going from it's easier to survive as this type of person VR to it's easier to survive as this type of person in real life. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. which can be terrifying. There's also um, temptation in that sense in uh, there's an episode of Futurama where they go into the internet and the internet has evolved into this kind of metaverse thing. And one of the characters who's a male turns into a female in order to convince the other male characters they're running into to like buy them stuff and give them money and mm. uh, online and all that. There's going to be a lot of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of, a lot of taking advantage of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, all that's pretty scary. Uh, moderation. So how good is moderation today? Think about Twitch when we, we were on Twitch. They they go too far in one direction, where they 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 block words like "loony." Oh my goodness! From the, from the Twitch chat, and then we have places like Twitter who have been accused of only moderating content that goes against their political. Mm-hmm. Leanings. They have uh, places on the web that have uh, largely no moderation, such as uh, what 4chan used to be, 8chan. You know, those kind of places didn't have any moderation uh, beyond what would be considered complete lawbreaking, but bullying, harassment, gore, sex, all that kind of stuff, plainly visible in many places. Mm hmm. If there's going to be any kind of safeguards put in place to protect against cyberbullying or harassment, the only way to do this is by monitoring every single action that every user does. (laughs) Because online, it's easier in that you can just kind of do a word search. If this word pops up, block it. Block the whole thing. If they do it enough times, block that account. But here... We're going from written text to physical action in a virtual world. Mm -hmm. You'll have to monitor every interaction to protect it from devolving into chaos. And even still, we will likely experience harassment in a way that feels closer than ever. People will get in your face, but still be safe behind their own screen. Mm -hmm. You'll have virtual people come up to you and call you Hitler with a virtual finger in your face. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when you slap their virtual face, and then it just evolves into chaos. Virtually. <laughs> yeah. So, again, this comes down to that data thing. It's like there's going to be a lot more invasive uh, moderation, a lot more invasive monitoring. There would need to be. Because, yeah, there, there'd be in... no way around it. See, and I think possibly in ways that no one has even really considered because you hear this and you think of all the pros and you get caught up in all the pros and the pros outweigh the cons in your mind. Yeah. And possibly in a numerical list, the pros outweigh the cons. But when you actually weigh the effect of the pros versus the cons, the cons are far heavier 
-hmm. far heavier. I think about there are students, there are children in elementary school who verbalize regularly that they're depressed and that they have suicidal thoughts. Okay. You put them into a world like this where they may be given the option to view in a virtual reality realm ways in which they think about taking their own life. Yeah. And over time, what's going to happen is it's going to desensitize them to the reality of that. And I think we'll probably see a lot more lives taken mm -hmm. because it won't seem so severe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just like the internet has the deep web and then the dark web, mm -hmm. there's going to be places that inevitably exist for the detriment of society yeah. specifically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, stuff like that could be mm -hmm. a real, real thing, a real mm -hmm. problem. I think a lot more, um, uh, I can't even think of the word, which really stinks right now. Um, well, so you address harassment, but I also think, you know, sexual harassment is going to be mm. yeah. way still more be, prevalent, yeah, still you be know, a big, big issue. Yeah. Uh huh. And it will still, <laughs> even though it may not have physically happened, it will still leave a mark, mm -hmm. you know, it will still have an effect on that person. And as an extension of that, there will inevitably be a porn aspect yeah. to the metaverse as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's something that people are clamoring for day one mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of areas of the internet. And that'll lead to a whole new level of porn addiction, sex addiction. And see, issues. and I think that a lot of people will probably see virtual reality in that aspect as a pro because it will be, well, it's not real, mm. you know? I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not physically doing anything. It's not real. Not realizing. Those kind of addictions are progressive. Uh -huh. Always. Always. And always. still, regardless of how moderate or deep of an addiction it becomes, there is a scar that's left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, there is an effect that it has on your physical person. Yeah. You know, yep. we may be living in a virtual reality, but when we take that headset off, we are a real person. Yep. Absolutely true. So let's get into the heavier ones here. Okay. I mean, these are already pretty heavy, but this is going to get pretty heavy too. Okay. We are going to care about our real selves less and less. Yes. Already society, society we sit too much, we snack too much. Mm -hmm. Hi. <laughs> That's me. And this is only going to increase it. You're going to care less about your physical appearance and your physical well-being because your life will be in a virtual world. Mm -hmm. The more that you do it anyway. Without without moder without moderation. Yeah, moderation. Everything in moderation. That's yes. the right word. Uh -huh. We've yeah. already said that word so many times in a different context. I wasn't sure if it was the right word to use. If you're not doing it in moderation, if you're immersed in it all the time, then yes, you're you're going to waste away into grossness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're going to experience highs and events in a more amazing and addictive 
way, which will make our real lives less and less appealing. Mm -hmm. And this could lead to an addiction to the metaverse. In Star Trek, there was a character named Lieutenant Barkley, uh, who was in The Next Generation, I believe, and then a little bit in Voyager as well. And he had a symptom called hollow addiction, where he was living the majority of his life in a hologram program, living in virtual reality, where he could make himself the most popular person on the ship, mm. where everybody was friends with him, everybody loved him, when it wasn't the case in real life, mm -hmm. where he was he was very shy and and awkward in real life, and he didn't have many friends, and the few that he did thought he was kind of annoying. And so... To fix all those problems, he built himself a holographic world and got addicted to it to where he would jones for it if he was away from it for too long. He would spend days upon days in this scenario. That feels like more of a realistic kind of addiction in this thing, oh, in yeah. the metaverse, than I ever thought would be possible. I mean, we're already, and I say we as a, like, a... Um, general universal, universal week. Yeah, um, addicted to to that, so to speak, via social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, living vicariously through other people that we see, or even creating our own worlds that are only presented on social media. Uh huh. And the likes, reality. and the reactions, and yeah. the the friend requests, mm -hmm. and you know, the shares, and yeah, yeah. We're already living it. The dopamine hit after dopamine hit. Uh-huh. That's what we're getting addicted to. <laughs> yeah. And it's just going to skyrocket yeah. the more we immerse ourselves in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. uh, there's little chance that the metaverse doesn't take over the majority of our lives. Like we said, jobs, school, events, sports, even experiencing... Uh, I mean, I, I really believe there will be a whole new level of entertainment where we have video games, we have TV shows, we have movies, there's going to be metaverse experiences. A whole new group of studios that are designed just to create immersive metaverse experiences. We're gonna have all of this stuff that will make living in the metaverse, at least briefly each day, no more optional than the internet mm -hmm. in our lives today. You need it for work, productivity. You'll need it for social activities because that's where all your friends are. Mm -hmm. Social media will morph into actually engaging with people through the metaverse. <laughs> actually, actually engaging. Not actually engaging. <laughs> actually not actually engaging, not engaging with people, not people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. And so you'll live in this amazing world where you can fly and you can go to every place fly. on Earth. It's Peter Pan, <laughs> by the way. Peter Pan, okay. Yes, yeah. And then you'll take off your headsets from this world that you deem is so close to perfect and fantastical as possible, and you'll come back to reality. Yeah. Or as Adam Curry calls it, the meat space. That's Real disgusting. World. <laughs> but okay. Real world surrounded by meat bags. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> and that's going to be a uh, a letdown <laughs> for a lot of people. 
that's going to like so for for this show uh i've already created the image that we're going to be posting online with it because i went to a website called ready player me and it takes a photo of you and it builds yourself a, a, a an avatar character based on your picture but it enhances things your beard looks fuller you don't you're not as fat it just does all this automatically i just want you to know you said it enhances things your beard looks fuller, and then your hands went towards your chest area, and I was very concerned for where you were going next. <laughs> I mean, look at the no. Um, so it's it's a it's a like the 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 thing that I made for myself here was a you know more perfect version of what I could be in the real world. And so I'm this person that I think is just tall, strapping, full beard, beautiful, bald man, interacting with all these people online. I come home, I take off my headset, I look down at my giant gut and my moles all over my face and, you know, all the imperfections that I see. And I'm like, gosh, I'm not that person. And instead of being motivated to change and become that person, instead, I'm motivated to get back into the world where I'm already that person. Yeah. That's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. And there will be a small amount of people who are motivated, mm -hmm. you know, who will see and go, oh, okay. Sure. That's a possibility. And then work towards it. Guess what's going to end up happening? That small amount of people... That already small amount of people are not going to see the full success that they are hoping for. Yeah. And then that that small amount of people becomes even smaller. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, so lastly, the next the last con that I have here um, is transhumanism. Now, this is not anything to do with transsexuality it's a completely different thing this term existed beforehand what? this is when we get into the brain microchips integrating technology into humanity now that is not required to start the metaverse but like it is likely a natural progression of it once we start down this path with the metaverse there will be no turning back there's not going to be a point where we reach, okay, well, this was enough of the metaverse. Let's go right. back to what we had before. Yeah. We're going to keep going towards that. Uh, MIT <laughs> has predicted for, I think, since the 70s that our society is probably going to collapse around 2040. That is 18 years away. And they've also recently come out and said, we're probably ahead of schedule. The metaverse could Why? be amazing Why? in many, many ways. Why did you just say that? <laughs> but it could also be the harbinger of basically the end of civilization as we know it. It's very possible. Now, MIT's thing is not about technology per se. It's about the environment and all these other things. But technology is a part of it. And if we continue to mesh our human form and bio biological uh, organisms with technology, 
how far do we go before we're more machine than people? We'll already have a metaverse internet that exists that we can exist in. And so this is one of those things that I'm saying that we're not seeing as a possibility in the future, but what if one day we can just upload our entire consciousness into this metaverse world and that becomes the new reality? What does that mean when it comes to spirituality? If we upload our consciousness into a virtual reality where we essentially can never die, are we already dead? Is our soul already gone and in heaven? Or do we never reach heaven because our soul is in this computer and we never die? Or is it just going to be the ones and zeros that our brains already produce living on and our actual spiritual self is gone? I'm going to start throwing things. <laughs> Like, I'm getting too deep, too no, deep here. In the I've fear. already told you <laughs> that the reason I have such a difficult time with this is because for every pro that I think of, I have a con. And for every con that I think of, I have a pro. And I just cannot figure out where to land. <laughs> and so while my brain is already like spinning <laughs> at warp speed and I cannot catch up. I throw this at you. The future of my children and possible grandchildren. Terrifies me. <laughs> it terrifies me. So really what I think it'll come down to if even if that's where society starts to trend, it will come down to, especially when it comes to spiritual matters, our own personal responsibility. Absolutely. To not make that decision to do that. If your life is going to come to an end, it's going to come to an end naturally. You're not going to be uploaded into something. Actually, there is a show that's about that, isn't there? On Amazon, there's a show what called is Upload. What that show? Upload. Upload. Yeah, we've talked about yeah, it several I times. I forgot all about it. There is already a show like it, that. I mean, it's not really a show that... Um, not really an appropriate show, but it's an no. interesting It is interesting it, show. Yes. Um, not a family-friendly show. Let's no. put it that way. But it's an interesting one. If you're a, over the age of 18 and feel as though you can handle without putting yourself into any sort of struggle yeah specific situations then but yeah watch it'll, it it'll come like in that show there's a character a character's dad right who is religious yes and does not want to be put on a list to be uploaded when yep. he's dying he wants to die naturally and the daughter keeps trying to convince him to get on this so he can live forever with the rest of the family in this virtual world after his death. Mm -hmm. And he's still not on board of it. And not in a way that makes you feel like he's stupid or anything. Like, this is a genuine conviction that he has, and he presents it that way. And he's honest that he says, you know, he's not entirely sure what he's thinking is right. But then something happens in this virtual world that he's kind of touring and he's like, you know, nope, you know what? I think I'm right. I'm going to stay. I'm going to die naturally. Yeah. Like this is, this is an interesting concept that might very well become a real debate in the future. Yeah. And so that's going to have to come down to your own real personal spiritual journey on whether or not you think that takes it too far, which I personally believe it would. Mm-hmm. 
I personally believe it would take it too far to actually like get a Neuralink put in your brain. Uh huh. That's too close to dangerous territory. Revelations nonsense. So I will say <sighs> this. Actually, I'm going to say a lot of things, but say it. this is the first thing that I'm going to say. You know, every everything that everybody fears about it being the end of the world mm-hmm. currently. And I mean, I've, I feel like I've been hearing it's the end time since I was like six years old. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we've even like grasped hold of the beginning of that yet. Yeah. I think that it is so much more big than what we can even begin to imagine. And this kind of just solidifies it for me. Mm -hmm. What's scary, though, is that every technological advance Uh I think the society makes brings us closer to that. Mm -hmm. And we're making those leaps faster and faster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To the point where I think it could be possible within our lifetime. We see in times events coming around, which is a weird leap to make at the end of the conversation around basically fancy virtual reality. Mm-hmm. But like we said, once we start going down this path, that's the way society will go. There won't be a turning back. And at this point, it looks like we're already entrenched in it, even though a few months ago, we didn't even think about it. We didn't even think that this would be a thing. And now it looks like it's definitely going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. So with all the pros and cons that we've talked about, there are a lot of cool things that this is going to be able to do, but there are so many safeguards that need to be put in place, both by the companies, but mainly by the users. Mm-hmm. So much personal responsibility that's going to be needed to be taken by the users, by the parents of younger users. Mm-hmm. Which... Like, They already, I mean, so many already don't do. Yeah. And see, the way I'm thinking about this is, you know, think about the way society is now. If if you choose to stay out of the metaverse as it becomes a more and more immersive thing, as it becomes more and more commonplace, like everything is being done here, and you choose to keep you and your family out of it entirely, Mm -hmm. do you become the new you know, stereotypical Amish, you know, at this point, like, are you, are you at the point where you're outside of what most people think of up-to-date society? Like, I guess so. I mean, that's, 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 that's the only way I can think of it is that you're, you're, you're behind a generation in technology Mm -hmm. on purpose. Mm -hmm. That would be strange it would be so strange it really would be but i'm that's a very good comparison yeah i'm yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so all that being said scary thing Mm -hmm. gonna have some ups but you gotta use that with tremendous tremendous focus Mm-hmm. <laughs> to the yeah. point where you're fully aware of how your your real life is working and how this is, at its core, not your real life. It can be very real and have very real impacts on your life, 
but you also have to take care of your actual physical body, your actual physical self, the world around you. You cannot put yourself in your own echo chamber. You cannot uh, let yourself become addicted to living in a virtual reality world. You have to exist in the real world. <laughs> and if you can't do that, you should stay away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Responsibility, moderation. My gosh. Just like video games. Just like anything else. I hope my kid's listening. <laughs> just like your smartphone, just like the internet, just like uh, streaming services on your TV. All of that needs to be done with moderation because all of it can become addictive bad habits that impact the rest of your life. But this one has the potential to be the biggest one that you will ever experience. And so be smart about it as it comes up, which might be in the next five to 10 years. This might become a widespread thing that quickly. Prepare for it. Prepare yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually for what that's going to look like and how it's going to impact your reality. Mm -hmm. And be smart. Yeah. Hey, I have a, one, more, one more con okay. against my pro. Against your pro. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> you well, remember my pro about less pollution? Yes. Okay. So we just talked about the con of, you know, this virtual reality becoming your reality and you caring less about your actual reality. So for me personally, this is going to let you, I mean, you're not going to be surprised by this at all. <laughs> Our regular listeners will not be surprised by this at all. But, you know, for me, if I created this perfect world, it would be inside of my dream home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything that I wish I could do, that I want to do, that I'm striving towards doing in my real home. And even things that wouldn't be possible in the real world. Right. Yeah. You could I have a waterfall. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I would just do in my virtual home. Yeah. Right? And exactly like you said, every time you take that headset off and you look around, well, this is garbage, you know? Why am I living in this heat when I can put my goggles back on and live in my own personal heaven? Well, what's going to end up happening physically to my home? Mm -hmm. It's going to start to uh, deteriorate. Uh-huh. You're going to start to care less and less about it. So let's think about that pollution aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, sure, we may not be driving as much. Our air may not be as polluted. But everything else is falling apart. <laughs> everything will be deteriorating, yeah. Yeah. At a rate that's when things are not being cared for. Uh-huh. Yeah. Including ourselves. Mm-hmm. More so than anything, I think, would be ourselves. Just saying. Yeah. So, See? Take, take all that with a grain of salt. <laughs> I just hope somebody somewhere is, like, sitting on the same fence with me. Because it hurts. <laughs> It's a very pointy fence. It really is. <laughs> that ends our discussion this week on the metaverse. And we want to know what you think. What do you think of the metaverse? Will this be our future? Come share your thoughts in our Discord at BackRowDiscord.com and the Respond to Show channel. Message us on any of our socials at the Back Row LTN or leave us a voicemail at 575 
562-8052. We'll be back with more. Stick around. Have you ever been around another person that used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain you should know, but you didn't? Of course you have. Well, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new. This is the real world, bub, and you need to learn to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up an ear and pay attention because LTN has another nerdy definition for you. Today's term is meta. Meta actually has several different meanings in nerd culture. The most recent use of the word is its use as the new company name for what used to be called Facebook. Now Facebook is just a product offered by Meta. The company changed its name due to its intentions to kickstart the metaverse, which touts itself to be the next stage of an evolution for tech, which will see virtual reality and augmented reality play a much larger role in our lives in the coming years. In the gaming world, it is sometimes used as an acronym for Most Effective Tactics Available, meaning that calling something meta is saying that it's an effective way to achieve the goal of the game, beating the other players or the game itself. In meme culture, a meta meme is a meme made about the meme itself, usually poking fun at the meme's standard format by subverting it. And expounding on that, meta is most commonly used when a creative work is referring to itself or to the conventions of a genre. The show Community used meta references throughout its entire six-season run, usually through the character of Abed Nadir, who often referred to their school years as seasons and played to an audience watching his life. So the next time someone says, that's so meta, well, you might not know what they mean right off the bat, but you can probably narrow it down because now you understand all these references. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as the show is nearly over. But first, we want to open up our show to our Discord buds for a little discussion based on this week's topic. So this week, our topic is the metaverse. And the big plan behind this shift in society and technology is that the bulk of our interactions would move to a virtual reality setting, intermixed with a little augmented reality, too. So that means school classes, several jobs, going to concerts, hanging out with friends, playing games, going to see movies, uh, of course, playing video games, not just like tabletop games or anything like that. All of that could be done from the couch with a headset on. So assuming that uh, Meta successfully produces this new headset that they're promising in the next year that can be worn for hours on end with less stress and fatigue on the head and the eyes, do you think that you could acclimate to spending most of your waking hours in a virtual reality Ready Player One type situation? That's the question for today, guys. Now, in our chat, we've got uh, Hillary, KY Redhead. We've got Megara, uh, who famously beat me in a game on yesterday's show. We have uh, Duncan, who goes by Tad uh, on most of our stuff here. And uh, we have Thray as well. So all four of them are in the chat. Uh, I've got KY at the top of my list. So, uh, Hillary, would you like to go first? Um, Sure. So... (laughs) I am not like um, a huge fan of the meta conglomerate right now because I just had a an extremely frustrating experience with um, messaging with one of my customers where she was messaging me through Facebook 
but it was showing up in my Instagram messenger. And so I was replying an Instagram messenger, which she never checks. And so she wasn't getting my messages and neither one of us realized that until like two weeks after this was happening. So I'm already a little peeved at the whole meta thing. Um, (laughs) My dual answer is I hate the idea of virtual reality stuff. We homeschool and uh, we're very, um, I don't want to say counterculture because that has a particular meaning, but um, we're not huge put hands in the tech, tech in the hands of kids, tech all the time people. Um, yeah. We're big book people. We're big experience people. And so that's one thing. But I will say from the perspective of someone with depression and anxiety, it would be very easy to exist in a false reality and allow that to become my my everyday Um not just like me personally, but just saying is some, you know, if you have a reality that you want to escape from, or if you have any type of, um, non-neurotypical or, you know, neurotransmitter issues, that might be something that could be destructive because we were designed to live in community, um, with actual people in real life. And, um, I think that that would be too easy to become a slippery slope. Mm. Just me personally. Mm. All right. Uh, who wants to jump in next here? Jump off that and just say I completely agree with what uh, KY said. That, like, as someone who has been in that situation where I've just wanted to escape, having the, and, like, even with just online communities, you can get so sucked into them and you just miss out on that, like, real in person interaction and with everything been going on with the pandemic and the quarantining. Um, I'm seeing, like, with my students and a lot of people I know, just, like, getting really sucked into uh, a virtual reality and missing back, missing out on those in-real-life relationships and the ability to even bond with each other in a way where I'm seeing my students struggle to work out conflict via in-person. They'd rather do it over the phone or really have a relationship in-person. They'd rather all do it virtually. And it's just really <laughs> sad to me. Um to see that. So I don't think I could do it. And I think it's really dangerous to keep pushing it into a world that's already so addicted to technology. Hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, Tad, Duncan? What do you think? Uh, okay, so Snow Crash. I have not read the book yet, but I love um, dystopian future stuff like uh, 1984, stuff like that. Snow Crash is about uh, people who live in a cement uh, jungle. So the whole earth is just cement buildings. There's no life left. And um, how people escape is to go to the meta, um, which is explained in this book, and I can't remember what year it came out. 1990-something. So in that, um, we're going to see the same results. We're going, And we've seen more of the same results type of thing. We've seen um, higher corrosion rates on... on hikes and different uh, sunflower patches, things like this, where people are more um, prioritizing how they look in certain areas um, and they lose touch with the natural environment that we are already put into. Uh, same thing with socialization, the, the percentage of um, uh, social anxieties and uh, social interaction is like through the roof. Like, I don't, how, uh, it's, 
<laughs> Sorry. It's really tough because I like conclusions. And so people nowadays do not conclude conversations and you sit there like, okay, are we done? Like, do I need to stay here for a little bit more? And we lose that in touchness of the finalities and that things have purpose um, in like tangi- tangibility. So um, that those are some things that are downhill. The up uh, the positive side would be the being able to interact more with the world, and that's the only thing that would be cool. All right, and Thray, what do you think? Thray completely disagrees with everyone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thray is in a simulation right now. I think that reputation is that what goes on? <laughs> no, I feel bad. No, no, no that's no. not what I'm saying at all. But it is kind oh, of what I'm hoping for, just so that there's somebody on the opposite side of the fence. <laughs> not yeah, because worry. I feel I that will, way. I, I, I do have a couple, a couple, you know, devil's advocate points to just point out. Okay. But I will admit, I am the one who. Um, had someone expose me to a wonderful anime, or at least they thought was wonderful, mm-hmm. because I am not an anime person for the most part. I it is an acquired taste for me. Mm. Um, Agreed. I was exposed to uh, so Sword Art Online, and another one called Log Horizon, and the concept in both of these was the idea that. Uh, you would have individuals enter the VR-like world um, and be stuck there because it could physically kill you. And the problem is is that um, that spooked me. So I'm just going to admit my bias and say that that spooked me a lot (laughs) to the point that Meg had to hold my hand and go, it's okay, we can play this game about deactivating a bomb and it's not going to hurt. But I will be real with you. Um, In addition to the things that have already been said, which are I feel are all valid, there's a lot of health concerns with the technology in general. Um, It makes a lot of weight on the front of your face if you thought people had trouble adapting to masks let's put a headgear on you um (laughs) and um also if you have any imperfect vision or hearing or inner ear issues you are not gonna last an eight-hour school day um or whatever they would implement in that potential situation i mean as it is I've heard tales from multiple people, um, <laughs> admittedly, two of them are here in the fact that we have our wonderful teacher resources, just already previously speaking, um, expressing concerns about their students in a virtual uh, situation. I mean, out east, uh, they've, got, they've got mental health hospitals for those that have become so addicted to the virtual reality and the online uh, community that, I mean, that's probably why we've got China doing the whiplash of limiting gaming and other uses to try to limit those communities. But we've also seen the benefits. I mean, this online community has been a big benefit through the pandemic. And uh, Tokyo is also implementing uh, robot technology to allow those that are paralyzed to engage with the real world via 
and online interaction, some of that being VR-based. Um, that way they can potentially have a job uh, in a situation they would otherwise not. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like those are potentially good uses, but they would also have to be highly monitored because those individuals, for the most part, already have a situation where their doctor is heavily involved in their care. And so introducing a technology that would have additional side effects to them, you know, it's one of those, well, they're already in a bad spot, so <laughs> how can this make it worse? Um, but the problem is, is as Tad mentioned, there's many, many sci-fis and things that express the same thing, that anxieties, those those other emotions and other triggers that become the slippery slope of, well, they're already hurting, so why not? And that's kind of the problem, is we are very capable humans of creating things and getting very, very good at it. However, <laughs> should we is always the problem that we have, because we are curious, curious beings. Can we is not um, always the question. Should we is what we should be talking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And in this particular case, yeah, I'm going to vote no, especially even just immediate things like it is a nightmare for people with imperfect vision or inner ear stuff. Well, that um, is those those two things are supposed to, and the the front heavy uh aspect that you mentioned of the goggles. Yes. Those are all things that are supposed to be being addressed in this new headgear that they are trying to come out with in the next they year. They say that every time. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, looking at the prototype that they posted, um, mm -hmm. it's not, it's definitely not like the Oculus. It doesn't have a giant, you know, basically theater that you're strapped to your face. Like it looks more like closer to headphones for your eyes, you know, and that kind of bulk, not as, not as big as, as uh, what we currently see. If and they're I able to pull to it off. My thoughts. Dude, <laughs> does it have a blue light filter in it? Right. How does yeah. that affect the experience? Mm -hmm. How does this exposure to extended screen time uh, affect your brain's ability to monitor uh, day and night? Right. I mean, we already mm -hmm. have a situation where people genuinely have their brains totally confused of what time of year it is because they're not exposed to enough uh, far red and red radiation mm. to tell anymore that not every day is noon on a summer day. Oh, uh, and melatonin levels on average have, have dropped immensely oh, in the last few years. There's yeah. a... Okay, I'm going to... I'm gonna stop. No, no, no! Um, please go. This is what this, this is for. Yeah, this <laughs> okay. is also this also involves Christianity and as well. I saw Life Church. Uh, yeah. What was it? About a month ago. Yep. Um, they did their very first metaverse church. Yeah, they're starting. Well, technically, it's not metaverse at this point. Metaverse doesn't officially exist yet, but it is a virtual reality. Um, yeah. And there's also another VR church that's been going for a few years now. Uh, that Mo and I actually covered just a few months before we got folded into LTN uh, on our show that uh, essentially kind of started as people that couldn't go out, couldn't go to, a, you know, can't leave their home, but has grown into a a big community 
of people that just attend church online and we have that had that whole discussion of is that really the same thing you know especially faith wise is it the same thing to be building your entire church life around something that's only in virtual reality that only exists in virtual reality but whether that's the case or not like you said with life church and of course i'm sure many people are going to jump on the bandwagon uh it's going to be a reality <laughs> Yeah, I feel like in I all honesty, I feel like that's the same <laughs> argument as when churches started getting on the radio waves. Um, it's just a different type of church, and it has a different audience. Yeah, but just like uh, Billy Graham would minister to people and then say, "Okay, you've heard, you've received, now go get in a community." Mm-hmm. Yes, that Agreed. is that is the thing, and that is the line, and just as folks that absorb radio church you know there's there's for as long as there's been a way to distance oneself from community yet still try to participate humans have been trying to do it that's just my easiest technology grab but i'm sure there were ways before that um where but at the same time they can plug in these kind of things can also serve as catalysts for future connection to a real church quite a few people is, that are yeah disconnected is, is there's from the plenty, church there's there's plenty of those that go and and plant seeds but once once they're starting to sprout they need to be cultivated and they need absolutely to go someplace yeah absolutely that's the thing it, it's like uh we're talking about the metaverse church but there were plenty of i didn't go to one it's not my style but there was plenty of stories of Minecraft churches where uh, <laughs> chaplains were building uh, little Minecraft chapels in their little servers and inviting their congregates to meet in a voice chat and do church that way. Um, it was different, but it was a War- thing. Yeah, yeah, World of Warcraft as well um, had had a similar, but all of those moments were. Yeah, like we're saying, points of like reaching out to people, just like LTN reaching out to yeah. people in their culture, in their comfort, and meeting them where they are at. Right. And and I'm sure yeah. LTN will get involved uh, with the metaverse uh, as it grows, <laughs> no doubt, because that's going to be a place full of nerds. <laughs> so, so has anybody else been reminded of Wally and the civilization on the ship Whoa. with this whole conversation? <laughs> because like all those people were living independently in pods, somehow still procreating, somehow still, you know, experiencing different parts of the ship, but all very isolated, but not realizing that they were isolated and not realizing what they were missing because that was normal yeah. until they got shaken out of their virtual reality and i don't know it just it just you know no, it just yeah, makes I mean, me think about that, that. That's, <laughs> that's a valid point in fact you know all these things that we brought up all the the dystopian future and uh living in virtual reality augmented reality things that you know have been sci-fi stories nearly all of them paint this as uh this probably shouldn't have happened. <laughs> but, oh, forgive uh, me. Is there, is there a utopia story that ends well? Good point. You have a good point. But <laughs> heaven. 
<laughs> Thank you, KY. I thought that too. But like, <laughs> somebody did that. But like, I got you, sister. Meg, That's Meg a little the, more than a story, though, right? But Meg in the chat brought up that that funny quote of sci-fi author: "Don't do this thing, scientist. Let's do this thing." Like that's <laughs> like that's kind of where we're where we're at uh, mm. with a lot of these things. But it does seem like this is a an, an inevitable future. Um, it seems like everything's tilting this way. We just saw um, Xbox, Microsoft make it that giant purchase of Activision and Blizzard uh, this past week with, they stated, the ex explicit goal of trying to corner a market on the metaverse here when it comes to gaming. Because, of course, gaming is going to be a huge part of what the metaverse will become. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's almost certainly going to grow in every sector of society uh, over the next probably decade. Like it's going to happen a lot faster than I think any of us are going to be ready for. And uh, the way it was described in, in uh, one of the videos that I saw is like in the, in the way that we think going to the library is outdated when you can just Google it. Now we're going to eventually get to the point where we can just think of something and be immersed in it in the metaverse and having to go and type out a search term is going to feel so outdated. I'm offended. <laughs> I, I put a going to the library is not outdated. Absolutely Sorry. not. <laughs> My personal feelings are hurt. I have been attacked. Go ahead. Look, go. I get never him. have. I never go to Google and find all my books stacked up in weird places. And the Google person yelling, saying, "Hey, Google's closed today." While we reorganize everything by color and height. <laughs> <laughs> but Mo, you can look but forward servers to servers crash your... all the time. Yeah, Google's down today because our server crashed <laughs> because we had so many DDoS attacks. Or whatever it's called. At yeah. least you can still uh, open a book. You might it might take you a little absolutely. bit longer to find it. From but you can nine to four every weekday. <laughs> and the information in a book is not going to disappear if somebody stops paying for the address so, or the server space. This is not the crowd to argue about uh, anti book with. Let me just warn you ahead of time because you're definitely agree. barking up the wrong trees here. <laughs> Goes to the metaverse. Her her uh, work will be an eye shot. Mo's face. Oh, so funny. You better watch out because also in the metaverse she'll be hitting you with the guns that are in her eyes. So <laughs> Again, some of our friends know all about my eye shot. Okay. <laughs> They will tell you. They will warn you. Oh, it is not gracious. something you want to mess with. <laughs> you don't want to oh, do no, that. Yes. Shot You're a it. librarian. You scare me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? I do need to add, though, something that I have just learned very recently that I find mind-blowing is that teenagers today, like, we think of Google. We think, just go search it on Google. Easy. Do you know teenagers today don't fully understand Google. I've told my kids, I've told several other kids, type it in Google, figure it out. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? Type it in Google. 
Well, if you think your about question, it, what you want to find out? Type it in. Uh, but what do I put? Your question. Yeah. <laughs> right. The whole question. Well, if, if you think about it, Alexa, we, how we do I the... Google? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Thray. Thray has been trying to say something, Matt. Sorry. What's up? No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm not. I I can't see any bubbles, so I don't get a cue. Sorry. <laughs> um. <laughs> um if you think about it, we have the building blocks of, I think most of us here were at least at some point uh, given the, you know, quote-unquote uh, old-fashioned uh, tools of, okay, this is how you look up something in an encyclopedia. Yes. And while, and while yeah. we don't do that, it taught us to critical think of what keywords we were looking for. Yep. And then mm-hmm. that information is what we would enter into a Google search. So yeah, the process became so much easier, but that process of critical thinking to come up with, okay, if I can't figure out that word, then what word can I use or what, what words were around it that I can find? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, those are tools that we were given the building blocks for because we grew up as the technology grew up. Mm. Yep. But the next generation, it's just, you know, talk to it magic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and with that, we, we also have lost a lot of the in-house uh, education when it comes to utilizing of the Internet. Like, when's the last time you, a kid has gone through uh, Internet courtesy or um, how to look things up or- on Google? How to yeah. use parentheses on Google search, actually. Well, Google you know. is spending a ton of money on making ads for that very purpose right now. I'll tell you that much. Try At our house, we have. But... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so on PBS, when, when we were kids, was uh, Cyber... What was it called? Cyber, cyber Kids. Cyber Kids. And oh it went on about, you know, what not to do with strangers and... and how do you keep your password safe and things like oh, this? No, and animating uh, way with um, the oh my goodness, the guy that played uh, played the parrot from Aladdin, <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, uh, Gilbert Godfrey oh, no, you're the thinking, bird. Oh, no, 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 um, Cyber Chase. Cyber Chase. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Love that show. Just couldn't remember the name. Anyway, it was a math show. <laughs> Sorry, anyway. I only know about that because of my kids, though, so I can't really be yeah, like, that's my childhood. Highly, highly <laughs> educational, but also brought together some important fundamentals when interacting with the Internet. And that is something that is completely lost because we give our 10-year-olds a phone and then we do not have any no, sort worse, of... we give our 2-year-olds a phone. Yeah, we give our 2-year-olds a phone and then have no... Um, way of like disciplining their their action through that that course so yeah anyway okay well, well another thing is i'm sorry ky did you want to talk <laughs> no i was just thinking my kids don't have devices and that actually came up in their homeschool today as part of a co-op project but that's you know i know i'm in the mental minority so that's okay <laughs> there's oh. a reason steve jobs did not give his own children his technology until they were of a majority it there's a reason <laughs> if, if, if if the man did not give his own children screen time while the rest of us were buying it all up just just think about that <laughs> um 
The other piece is what's also interesting is there's this gap because while we also have an odd transition between a generation that has some internet knowledge savvy and you know a younger generation that has also got some there's this in-between education period that I keep hearing about um, where elementary school teachers will come up to me and go did you know this about internet safety and I'll go yeah <laughs> well they were well they were explaining it to these kindergartners that you know at, at the end of your email do you see that name if the name isn't yours you don't own the email that company does oh that makes so much sense yeah, that's that's why that's why Hillary Clinton got in trouble. <laughs> um, and and you know, not enough trouble you in have my to opinion, pay but... for with Google. <laughs> um, and why you don't just you know drop all your personal information online? Just yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 a whole that's a whole another. Whole another discussion when it comes to uh, what the metaverse is going to look like when it comes to data and scams and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we don't have time for that today because that's going to wrap up our discussion here. Thank you, Hillary, Meg, uh, Duncan, and Thray for joining us for this discussion. Thanks for having us. <laughs> you know, always, having us. This was fun. <laughs> always awesome. Always awesome. Love y'all. <laughs> Love you. Goodbye. <laughs> And that is going to do it for The Back Row with Matt and Mo. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and hope you will join us again next week. Now remember that we air our full morning shows first exclusively on LTN Radio, ltnonair.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, you can find our four full shows and our weekly main podcast by searching The Back Row Morning Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the podcast apps, subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Or don't. We're not your parents. We won't be mad. Just disappointed. Check out lovethynerd.com. It is positively jam-packed with articles, podcasts, and videos that cover a wide range of nerdy topics. And just like any other ministry, we are largely supported by those willing to partner with us financially. And as one of the newest staff members of LTN and a part-time nerd culture missionary, I'm looking to build my support team to help this radio station grow and help my family financially as I pour more focus into all I get to do for LTN. So for more information, visit lovethynerd.com slash radiomat. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on the book, the twit, the gram, and the talk. Just search for at the back row LTN and connect with us. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Mo. And remember, if nobody else tells you, we promise it's true. Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you, nerd. nerd. Really, not virtually. Come on.